Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey, and in this one, it's just going to be me. Unfortunately, the schedules for Jude and I are not aligning for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. When this episode drops, the earliest he will be able to see it is Wednesday. And so after that, I'll be out of town that following weekend, which means we wouldn't be able to get to record until the weekend after. So rather than waiting until then, I'm going to put out a very quick, very, very quick reactions episode. And then whenever Jude and I get back in sync with our schedules, we'll circle back to a more traditional quick reactions episode of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So this one will be short, but uh, we're going to start with the pre-spoiler thoughts before jumping into the spoiler zone. So. Pre-spoiler thoughts, my general reaction to this film is I really enjoyed it. I think it's a lot of fun, and I think the strength of it is the continued inventive use of magic beyond just being beams of light shot at each other. And it's not even just in the way that magic is used in combat, it's just the, the overall anchoring of magic in terms of traversal, in terms of using it to get through obstacles. It is fun in a way that I feel like is continuing the tradition of the first one. That very much made me happy to see in this sequel. Story-wise, there are definitely strong character beats, but it still feels like an event movie where the spectacle outpaces the story. Not to say that's bad, but in, in terms of Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, I think the original still is the stronger of the two for me. Uh, I've mentioned before, Doctor Strange is in the top five of all the MCU movies, partly due to the strong story that it tells. Uh, you don't have to look further than the review episode we did a few weeks ago, where we were just both gushing over how wonderfully crafted that film is. And this one doesn't quite hit the same narrative strengths, but again, it is incredibly fun for what it sets out to do. In that regard, one of the things that it feels like is in its objectives is bringing a horror aspect to the MCU in a way that's been flirted with for a while. But man, this this movie delivers on it because right from the get go in the trailers, you could feel there was this looming sense of dread. And without getting into too much spoilers just yet, dread, I think, is a very common theme throughout this movie. So, yeah, I think that's where I'm going to leave my pre-spoiler thoughts. Uh, so like I said, you're going to hear an audio cue, and on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. All right, so where do I want to start? There's so many good things that I want to talk about. I know the obvious ones would be the cameos, but I'm going to actually start here with America Chavez. A few weeks ago when we did our reaction to the trailer, it may a few weeks ago, who knows? Time is nothing anymore. Whenever we did our reactions episode, I talked about America Chavez and how I felt like she was going to be the key to this story. And I feel like I was right. Like we got that cold open where we saw America Chavez on an adventure in, in media res with a different Doctor Strange. And that was our introduction to the character. And I have to say, it hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting that this huge blockbuster Marvel movie, literally the first words spoken are spoken in Spanish. And that made me really happy. I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily looking for that, but the fact that America Chavez and that version of Dr. Strange were speaking in Spanish was really, really touching to me. 
However, it doesn't last very long because we see that Doctor Strange is willing to sacrifice America Chavez before she is sent through the multiverse and landing in the one that we know. So, sticking with just the character herself, Sochil Gomez, I think, is wonderful in the role. I think she holds up well in the quick pace of delivery that we've seen from Benedict Cumberbatch from the first movie and all his other appearances in the different non-titled movies and so on in this one. They have great chemistry together, and I'm really happy to see that by the end of this movie, she is sort of an apprentice-type character. Uh, she's definitely someone I want to see around in the MCU for quite a while, and if that means we see her in Doctor Strange 3 or somewhere else, I'm very happy that she's sticking around, because given her multiversal travel powers, I wasn't sure where she was going to ultimately land, but it seems like she's here to stay for the long run, and I'm very happy about that. Now, moving along, another one of the things I wanted to talk about is Elizabeth Olsen, the Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff. My God, what an incredible performance on her part. You know, I talked about it in the pre-spoiler thought section, how this movie has a very continued theme of dread, and that is in part because of Elizabeth Olsen's performance as the Scarlet Witch. Whenever her intentions are fully revealed, she becomes this unstoppable force that has no equal in this movie. And so a lot of it is the, the protagonist running away from a character they know they cannot stop. And every time she is on screen, it is horrifying, uh, especially when we get into the Scarlet Witch versus the Illuminati. The quick work that she makes of all of them is wild incredibly wild and not just the quickness of it but the way she blows the inside of black bolt's head the way she turns reed richards into just literal strings yeah reed richards in here and the way that she just takes captain carter in half my god elizabeth olsen is a force to be reckoned with and and when i say she has no equal i mean the movie itself recognizes it the only one that is able to stop her is herself. Because once we see America Chavez give her what she's been looking for, it is the reaction of her children and the guiding of a different multiverse of her that is able to finally quell the Scarlet Witch's quest to get her children back at any cost. And on that note, you know, we've talked about it a lot of how important are the Disney Plus shows going to be? I think we got our answer in Multiverse of Madness because this movie definitely assumes that you've seen WandaVision and it doesn't try to retread too much ground at all. There are some quick like summaries here and there. We like we get the dream sequence where Wanda is living a happy life before we see that she wakes up in her own bed and she is alone again and that dread sets back in. You know, I don't know if somebody who hasn't seen WandaVision would be able to completely gather everything that's going on with her motivations, but there's enough there that it's functional, but it is fully rewarded if you have seen WandaVision. So we've got our definitive answer here. It is, it is going to be influencing the movies and it doesn't necessarily feel beholden to catch the audience up to speed more so than just functional knowledge for this film. All right, so I talked about it a little bit. Let's go ahead and talk about the cameos. I think that's another one of the big things to highlight here in this quick episode. I texted TK upon leaving the film, and I had two thoughts. And the first one that I put is Captain Freakin' Carter. 
It made me so, so happy to see Haley Atwell in live action as Captain Carter. I think she was easily the standout of What If? And seeing her in live action just was incredibly awesome. Yes, you know, Captain America fanboy getting to see the shield in action is always a delight. But the thing that felt really exciting is that Captain Carter was able to deliver the I can do this all day line and it doesn't feel cheesy. And I think that level of or that threading of the needle was going to be so delicate to translate that character from animation to live action. And I think they did it brilliantly. Unfortunately, I am a little upset of how she was bifurcated (laughs) with the shield by the Scarlet Witch, so I don't think we're going to at least see that version of Captain Carter in live action, but I hope this doesn't mean we won't see a live action Captain Carter elsewhere, since this is just one rendition in the multiverse. Moving on from there, I think one of the bigger cameos outside of what was confirmed is we got John Krasinski as Reed Richards. Now, I had heard rumblings of this going in. Unfortunately, I logged into Twitter and I wasn't looking at any tweets in particular, but the trending uh, section on the right hand side of the Web page was showing John Krasinski the night of the movie premiere. So I kind of put two and two together. I figured that would be the case. But seeing him on screen was still really, really exciting. I am still wrestling with the question of, is this going to be our Reed Richards moving forward? Is this just one iteration of the character that's kind of to lean into the fan casting without having to commit to John Krasinski as being the definitive one. I'm not sure. I can go both ways because as fan servicey as the MCU can get, they do it really well. It wouldn't shock me if it's just a way to give a wink and a nod to the fans. But at the same time, there's a quick line exchange between the Scarlet Witch and Reed Richards where they talk about his wife. And it's not just John Krasinski that has been heavily fan casted. It has been Emily Blunt as well as Sue Storm. So whether or not that's going to be the case, who knows? But it was very fun to get to see John Krasinski in this film. And, you know, I'm wondering what it's going to mean for his stretchy powers, because that is going to be a power that is very hard to translate into live action, I think. And we only get a taste of it here. Everything happens so quickly that I would like to get another watch in, hopefully before Jude and I do our review. But I'm curious. I don't know if this is just them kind of playing it close to the chest or if this is a, hey, we're still figuring out the stretchy power look on screen. Another one of the cameos that I really enjoyed was Lashana Lynch as Captain Marvel. Uh, In this universe of the Illuminati, Maria Rambeau is the Captain Marvel character rather than Carol Danvers. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch, especially because if I'm not mistaken, very limited comic book knowledge, but if I'm not mistaken, I think she was originally Captain Marvel before Carol Danvers. So that was a good nod. Uh, the other one, I I only read about this, so I didn't know much because I have not seen the Inhumans, but Ansem Mount was Black Bolt in that show and got to re-portray his character in this one. So I don't know what it means if Inhumans is being regarded as canon or if this is just a different depiction with the same actor getting to relive the character. So... 
we'll time will tell on that one. Finally, another one of the the cameos I really enjoyed, and this is the one that was the big one in the trailer itself. But Professor Xavier, when they played the original X Men cartoon theme as his entrance in his little yellow hover car, it was hard not to have a grin ear to ear. It was just so exciting to see him as part of the Illuminati. He's such a major force in the comic book movie world. I mean, the X-Men were part of the original surge of the superhero films. And I like that it's not just him sitting around being a part of the council. We get to see him in action as well whenever he enters in the mind of the Wanda that has been daywalking or dreamwalked by the Scarlet Witch and is trying to rescue her from the mental prison before the Scarlet Witch snaps his neck. So. All of that is wonderfully done with the Scarlet Witch slowly hunting them down. Uh, they had a lot of hubris in thinking that they could stop her so easily, but she makes quick work of them. So yeah, I don't know what it means for the cameos that they're done away with so quickly. If this means there's no ramifications and it was just a fun nod to fan casting and previous depictions, or if this means in the Prime Universe, somewhere out there, these characters exist. Time will tell. Uh, but I, I can't wait to see where they go next with the peek into the wider universe that we got here. All right. Finally, one of the last things I want to touch on, of course, is Dr. Strange himself. Uh, his story really seems to center around this idea of justifying the means. So Strange's decision to give up the time stone is something that is under constant questioning here in this movie, which I wasn't expecting, but it makes complete sense. In fact, we see Dr. Wes from the original Dr. Strange in the wedding scene questioning him about whether or not that was the right call. And Strange is very confident about it, but it is through the doubt of Dr. Wes that that puts into motion Strange really examining what it means when he says there is no other way. Because he, in this multiverse, is not the only one who continues to use that same line. We see in the very beginning, whenever the, the first version of Doctor Strange is running away with America Chavez, and he realizes that he has to kill her to stop, at that time we didn't know, but to stop the Scarlet Witch from getting her powers, he once again uses, there's no other way. Uh, we see it again with the universe that the Illuminati has set up, where that Strange justified his means of using the Darkhold to stop Thanos, but unfortunately that also meant him sacrificing himself because he had been corrupted. So just to pause there, I personally am a fan of those stories where it is a character who is metaphorically seeing how close they can get to the fire without getting burned. The thing that I think works in this film is this all culminates into the moment where 616 Strange is using the Darkhold to dreamwalk into Zombie Strange to stop the Scarlet Witch. Of course, there's clear objections from Christine, who has seen a strange who has used the Darkhold before and saw how it corrupted him. And we see that even though he doesn't put too much of a stop to it, Wong is very much not happy with it, but he doesn't want to know what it is that Strange is doing to save the day. So once again, we find Strange justifying the means, and he's put in that situation again where all things point towards him having to stop America Chavez before the Scarlet Witch can get her powers. But the thing that separates this strange is that in the moment, instead of doing what all the other strangers have done in the past, he enables America Chavez to be the one to save the day. His belief in her ability to do this rather than taking away that power is what is ultimately stopping the Scarlet Witch 
rather than just delaying the inevitable over and over again. I like that that pairs with the line of advice that Professor Xavier gives him back at the council. I can't remember word for word, but it's something to the extent of just because someone has stumbled along the way does not mean they're lost or something to that extent. And so rather than condemning the actions of previous multiverse versions of a character, it is allowing each individual one to be responsible for the choices they've made. Uh, And I like that that's reinforced with how the Scarlet Witch is stopped. Again, I said it earlier, America Chavez gives her what she wants by showing the universe in which she can go and be with her kids. But in order to do it, she has to take away that Wanda from her kids. And all throughout the movie, she's justified it as that she would get to be with them. But seeing the horror in their eyes as they see what she's become is what helps her realize how far she's gone. And that Wanda assuring her that those kids will be loved is the compassion, the similar compassion that Strange gives to America Chavez that Wanda gives to the Scarlet Witch, which spurs the change of heart. So again, I I would need to see see it more times to be able to really ruminate on these themes, but quick reactions. I I enjoyed what they're doing here. So yeah, just to round this off, some some quick things I liked. One, there is a music battle between Doctor Strange and the Sinister Strange. I can't remember what exactly he's called. He's not the one from What If, but there's a moment where they have a battle with musical notes that I think is one of the coolest pieces of action in this film. Uh, Again, that is more towards the inventive use of magic that the series continues to hold, uh, and it had me grinning ear to ear. Uh, second, I really am so glad that Wong made it out of this movie. I know when we first talked about this, Jude was very adamant that Wong was going to die. If not the Wong, but a Wong. I'm happy to say that that is not the case and he lives to see another day. And I love their continued back and forth where even though Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme, Strange still isn't giving him the proper respect that he deserves. And by the end of the film, he gives him that respect that he is so desperately missing in the beginning of the film. So yeah, I touched on it a little bit, but I just want to highlight it one more time. This film is incredibly gruesome and incredibly creepy. Uh, This might be... Like, I've seen this talk on on social media. This is definitely not one for kids because it goes into some very horrifying territory. So, for example, there is a scene in which the Scarlet Witch is trying to come out of a magical prison that Strange has put her in through reflections. And as she comes out of one, it is almost like the ring where she is just crawling out on all fours. Uh, The way that she is able to... Or the way the movie depicts her invading people's minds by having her physically appear behind them is incredibly creepy. Uh, And the deaths, again, I I talked about in the cameos, but those deaths were incredibly gruesome. So yeah, that is is something that sets this movie apart from all of the other MCU movies. Oh, so the, the end tags. We've got two of them this time. The first one is a continuation of how the movie ends, where we see Doctor Strange goes out for a walk and is... An incredible amount of pain as a third eye opens on his forehead. Uh, The credits start, and then we pick back up again with him walking down the street before he is greeted by a woman played by Charlize Theron. 
So I don't know who that is as far as comic books go, but it's clear that Doctor Strange can never have a day of peace because he is quickly ushered away into a new adventure. So I'm assuming that is setting up what's to come in Doctor Strange 3, and I'm very much hoping it doesn't take as long to get to that one as it did from Doctor Strange to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, the last in tag is with Bruce Campbell, as we see Pizza Papa is finally free of hitting himself in the face, which is, was a very odd thing for our Strange to force him into. I don't know how I feel about that, but letting it set up the fact that we get the end tag where Bruce Campbell's like, it's over. That at least is worth it and is up there with Captain America imbuing the value of patience at the end of Homecoming. Uh, it's always fun whenever the end tags are self-aware enough to make fun of people staying long enough for the extra seat. So, yeah, I think that's going to do it. Uh, like I said, this is a very quick reaction. We will definitely circle back once Jude and I have our schedule synced up again to dive into it more. But again, since we are doing two episodes on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I thought this would be a great way to put a call out to see what you thought of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And we can discuss those and read those reactions whenever we do the fuller review. So if you want to get in on that, you can reach us at MCU Need to Know, both on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to call in with your thoughts, you can leave us a voicemail over at 512-893-1355. You can leave us a voicemail and it'll make its way into the episode itself. All right. And of course, if you want to leave us a rating or review, that would greatly help us in shaping the show. And specifically on Spotify, the rating will help our discoverability so that we can grow the show. However, the best way you can do that is by sharing with a friend. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>